Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. If I were just to ask you a question today, <laughs> how many of you have ever had your plans changed and it just doesn't make sense? And all the church said, amen. How about the last 10 weeks of your life? <laughs> it, it just, crazy things happen. I mean, goodness sakes, and sometimes they just flat out don't make sense. Now, on a more personal note, and if we kind of zoom in on it a little bit and kind of talk about it. Sometimes you have this wonderful opportunity at work or you have a, a relationship that you've always wanted or there's a job that you've always dreamed that you could have or just as quickly as you thought that you were all set on this, the rug got pulled out from underneath your feet and it just doesn't make sense. It's like, wait a second, everything was set, we were going this direction, this is the way it's supposed to go. This is how we planned it. We prayed about it, and everything was this. And all of a sudden, whoosh, now you got to go this way. And man, that I don't—I don't know about you guys, but but to someone like me, that's just really frustrating. You know, I like it when we have a plan and we stick to the plan, and the plan goes through, and the plan's successful, and you can check that off your list and say, "Good, got that done." You know, but but last week when we started this series, we just kind of started to talk about the reality of the fact that plans do change, and we talked about this. Remember last week that. Uh, sometimes God vetoes our plans, and we have to be ready with an open heart and open mind that when God uh, says no, that God says no. But the question then kind of is today, just kind of just really zoom in on it and say, well, okay, let's be honest. You know, this really is incredibly frustrating when our plans are changed and God is doing something. Of course, at the moment, sometimes we don't realize God is doing something. We may not even realize if God's got his hand in the fact that plans are changing and it's, it's just tough. And, and you could say, well, you know, don't worry about it. You know, with, you know, with God, all things are possible and all things work together for good. And you're going, well, that's nice. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is I've just had a major change of plans in my life. And things really have, have gone crazy. Things really have been frustrating. And, and things really have changed. And, and so as Christians, we're kind of left, you know, scratching our chins sometimes just wondering, Why? Have you ever had that where you just flat out just wonder why? You just sit there and you almost kind of give up, put your hands down, and you say, well, why? I mean, I know we're not supposed to ask why, but that's the only thing I can think of right now is why. Can I get an amen if that's ever happened to you in your life? Something? Okay, good. The rest of you, I don't know what planet you're from, but, but uh, there's really just no easy answers on it. And uh, we're going to take a look at some passages today that I think we can see that sometimes when God changes our plans, when God changes our plans, that really the best solution that we have is, is to submit and just obey the plans. The most successful people that I know in life are the people that have had their hands like this. And when God has changed their plans, for whatever reason, it, it's not the why, but it's more of the attitude of how. How can I be part of this plan change? What can I do, Father? How, you know, what is it that I can be part of this? And the successful people are the ones that, that kind of are able to just go with that and be flexible. 
We talk about that a lot here at Dayspring, just the importance of being flexible. I, I believe, you know, whatever. 95% of spirituality is just learning to be flexible. You know, just literally learning to be flexible. And not just getting it my way. You know, I was, I was thinking about this. I mentioned it last week, and it kind of made me pause to think about it a little bit more. Have you noticed how many times in the Bible that people's plans changed in the Bible? You think about that. I made a, a short list. There's, there's much longer list, but I made a short list of, of people's plans that have changed in the Bible. We'll look at some today. How about that young teenage girl whose name was Esther? Remember the story of Esther there in the Old Testament? And Esther probably grew up just like any other kid, just wanted just to be a normal everyday kid and just do what kids do and, and, and be a teenager, be a young lady just like everybody else. And, and uh, God says, no, <laughs> I need you to go talk to the king because if you don't talk to the king, the king is going to literally destroy this entire race of Jewish people. The problem, though, is if you talk to this king and he doesn't want to hear it, He's probably going to cut your head off. <laughs> now, this wasn't her plan. She didn't wake up, you know, when she was 10 years old and say, boy, someday I'm going to go in front of the most powerful man in the entire world and tell him, hey, don't do what you're planning on doing, and I need you to save my people. You know, she didn't, she didn't wake up one morning planning that. That wasn't her plan, but God had some different plans for her. And we're thankful today that she did what God had called her to do. God changed her plans, but she what? She went with it. She was flexible. How about this over in the, in the Old Testament, the story of 1 Kings. Do you remember the story of uh, the guy named Elijah and uh, there's a drought? Do you remember that story? It's an interesting story in the Old Testament. And, and Elijah goes and, and stays with this widow and the widow's son and stays there at their house. And, and there is no food. There, there, there's a drought in the land. She has nothing. She, she's a widow and they're poor. And Elijah, so imagine a prophet Elijah, so kind of put it in our today's context, you know, this would be, you know, a man that literally hears from God, a pastor that literally hears from God, if you can kind of put it in that. He shows up at her doorstep and and says, hey, I'm hungry. And he's probably like, well, that's nice. So are we. And he's like, why don't you give me something to eat and something to drink? And, you know, there she goes into her little kitchen and she opens it up and she doesn't have anything really. But he says, I want, basically, I, I need to eat, and, and I, I'm pretty much I need what you have. Well, her plans that day were to get through that day with a full belly and just to feed what they needed and have what they needed to have. Her plan wasn't to have company. It wasn't. Had her plans been to have company, she would have, what, gone to the store and bought some more food or killed another animal or something. But her plan, this not, was not her plan to have company, and it wasn't her plan to give the last of her food to this prophet. God changed your plans. Crazy miracles happen if you want to read that story. Pretty amazing. How about the guy named Joshua? Do you ever think about the guy named Joshua? In case you don't know the story, Joshua is the guy who takes the place of Moses, uh, the, the name that everyone knows in the Bible, Moses. And, and uh, uh, Joshua is just saying, okay, I've got these big shoes to, to fill. You know, Moses, pretty, pretty powerful guy here. And Joshua's plan is like, well, I'm just going to just kind of slide in here and do what I'm supposed to do. And God says, no. I need you to do something really crazy. I, really what? I need you to go to this city that you need to conquer. And I'm going to tell all your guys, all your soldiers, you know, to put the swords away. And I, I want you to march around this, this entire city. I want you to go around it every day, you know, for seven days. And, and without raising a finger, literally, uh, I'm just going to ask you to do some crazy stuff. And I'm going to ask you to shout and play your instruments or whatever. And, and, and the entire city is going to just collapse. 
Well, that wasn't Joshua's plan. He, he didn't wake up going, well, someday when I'm in charge of the people, Moses, you know, hands me the, 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 the ropes here, and I'm supposed to be in charge of it. Man, we're going to do this awesome thing. We're going to go out. We're going to march around our, our enemy cities, and we're going we're gonna to make the wall. That wasn't his plan. His plan was probably just like, ha, ha, I just try not to, like, get killed here. You know, I just want to stay alive. How about Noah? Do you ever think about Noah? Noah's the guy in the Bible, in case you don't know. He's the guy in the Bible that, that uh, the, when the flood came, Noah and his family were inside the ark. Well, back up the story just a little bit. Do you think Noah woke up one day and said, well, I think I'm just going to build the, you know, the world's biggest boat that's ever been built? Of course, we don't know what boats are because we've never really had rain. So no one's ever done this before. But it's kind of an interesting story. If you look at the time frame of it, Noah, from the time that God told Noah to build an ark to the time that the rain came, was about 120 years. Now what we forget about is a couple interesting facts about Noah. When God told him to build the ark, Noah didn't have any family. Noah's going, uh-huh. Wait a second, I'm, I'm, you know, 400, 500 years old and you want me to build this boat? Honey, we need to start a family. <laughs> they have to start a family and they raise their kids and their kids get old enough and they get married and they're old enough to help build this ark and to do this. Well, Noah preaches for 120 years that the end of the world is coming and what's interesting, there are no converts after 120 years. Now imagine we started this church coming up on 11 years now, hard to believe 11 years, It'd be very hard. It'd be very hard if we had done this church for 11 years and there was no converts. You'd keep going, but it'd be very hard. Imagine if you went for 120 years and no one showed up at your church service, you know, your Bible study you're going to have. And so Noah's plan wasn't to be 500 years old and to be having children and to be raising them and teaching them to be carpenters so that he could build an ark. Aren't you glad Noah did that, though? God changed his plans. God changed the entire world, literally the face of the world by this and use Noah, but Noah was flexible to go along with the plans. How about, how about this guy, Moses? Do you ever think about Moses? God changed Moses' plans? Well, yeah, a lot of times. In case you don't know the story of Moses, Moses was, was found in a, in a river and he was raised by Pharaoh. Uh, the, the children of Israel there were actually slaves in Egypt, and, and Moses was raised by the most powerful man in the world and, and his family. And, he could have had whatever he wanted to have. Well, one day uh, things happen and circumstances take place and Moses leaves, leaves the wonders of the palace. And Moses ends up uh, raising sheep for about 40 years all by himself. Is that me falling apart? <laughs> oh, all right. And so Moses, uh, Moses uh, goes out there and he's raising sheep for 40 years. And, and uh, the story kind of goes on that, that all of a sudden God tells Moses, well, that's nice, you're raising sheep, but I really need you to go back to Egypt and I need you to get all of your, all your, your relatives and all of your family. I need you to get the children of Israel here, the, the Hebrew children, I need you to get them out of Egypt from the most powerful man in the world. Well, at the time, Moses, of course, does it and, and, and God works with it and, and the people are leaving. And many, many times along the story, Moses' plans change. I tell you what, if you have your Bible, I want us to look at one time that Moses' plans changed, that God changed his plans. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Exodus. It's the second book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. We'll look at verse 1. And here's a story of what's happening. They've been traveling for years, Moses, and, and historians tell us that there was probably between one and three million people that were following Moses, escaping 
escaping Egypt. Well, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of animals. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of water, right? That's a lot of, a lot of trekking around. That's a lot of work. Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. Follow along as I read the story. And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin and after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord, and they pitched and reft them, and there was no water for the people to drink. So let's just, let's just be on the conservative side. Let's call it a million people, okay? There's a million people, and there's no water to drink. Is this a problem, church? This is a big problem. This is a big problem. Verse 2, wherefore the people did chide with Moses, and they said, give us water that we may drink. <laughs> like Moses has got water for a million people in his back pocket. And Moses said unto them, why chide you with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? Verse 3, and the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Verse 4, and Moses cried unto the Lord saying, what shall I do unto these people? They be almost ready to stone me. Verse 5, and the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thy hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee, there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Go down to verse 7. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, which because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So here, here we have the story of the children of Israel, and, and they've been traveling, and, and they're complaining to Moses, Moses, you brought us here, and we have no water. Moses, how did you do this to us? Why in the world did this happen to us? Did you let us just die out here? <laughs> kind of a side note to the story. This is pretty much the way that their entire existence was. It was just complaint after complaint after complaint. And, 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 and you think that after all the wonderful things that God had done with, the, with these people, that they would have thought, well, God's going to pull us out of this one too. You know, there's four big times, four big things that these children of Israel went through uh, with Moses, and God pulled them through. Of course, of course they, they had been in bondage for 400 years, and, and of course God got them out of that. But as soon as they left uh, Egypt, you know, they go up to the Red Sea, and their back's up against the Red Sea. And, and God does what? God opens the sea, the children go across, God closes the sea, and all the uh, Pharaoh's army is destroyed in the sea. Of course, they had no food when they got to the other side, so God said, don't worry about that, there's no food. And every morning that you wake up, there will be manna, there will be food for you, and all you have to do is pick it up and eat it. Matter of fact, I'm going to make it so easy for you on this, I'm going to do this for you. Only six days you've got to gather, and I'm going to do this really cool thing called the Sabbath, and on the seventh day, you don't have to gather the food. I'm going to give you enough on the sixth day to take care of the seventh day. So don't even, one day, you don't even have to do anything, man. It's, I mean, as if I've made it so easy. You don't have to grow these crops. You don't have to raise these animals. It's just, there's going to be food for you. Okay. Of course, this time right here, the story that we're going to talk about, when there's no water, we know that God eventually provides for them. And another time, when, when they're attacked by the Malachites, we know that God saved them as well. So, so God keeps delivering these people, and yet the people keep doubting God. And, and you kind of just sit there and think, if you were Moses, or if you were I were Moses, you'd be like, Moses, you know, God, can't we just get to the promised land? Can't we just be done with this? Can't we just be over with this? But every time we try to do something, there's, there's some other big dramatic thing that has to happen, and plans have to change. Well, let's go back here, and, and let's just kind of observe this story a little bit more. I want us to kind of sit on this a little bit. Exodus chapter 17, verse 1. Let's look at that verse again. And let's kind of break it apart, because I think there's some things to learn about when God changes our plans. 
when God changes our plans. In verse 1, and, and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after journeys according to the commandment of the Lord. And there they pitched their tents and there was no water. So there's no water. But now think for a moment, church. Think. I want you to get the picture. What are the people doing? What is this entire civilization? What are they doing? They're following Moses. Are they doing what they're supposed to be doing? Yeah. We're following Moses, a million of us. What's Moses doing? How does Moses know where to go? Think about the story, those of you that know the story. There's what? What, what is there in the daytime that Moses is following? Right. How about the nighttime? What does Moses follow? Right. Moses is literally looking in the sky and he's saying, okay, this is the direction I'm supposed to go. Come on, guys, follow me. And the people are going, okay, we're going to follow Moses. All right. They're literally following Moses and Moses is literally doing what God's told him to do. Is Moses off course? No, he's not off course. Moses is exactly where he's supposed to be. Moses, by, by God leading Moses, Moses led the people to what? To a place where there was no water. But they're not disobeying. I mean, right? They did exactly what they were supposed to do. I want you to write this down in your notes. Sometimes, sometimes, God leads us to places that are not so obviously filled with his blessing. But he does lead us. Church, listen, sometimes when God changes plans, he's going to lead you to places that don't make sense. Have you ever been led to do something that just doesn't make sense? That You sit there and say, one plus one does not equal two in this story. This does not make sense to do this. <laughs> I, I know all of you have at least one time in your life, you're sitting in a building, praise God, that doesn't make sense. One plus one doesn't equal two for this building, but you're here now. And these people are sitting there, wait a second, we did what we're supposed to do, and God led us to a place that just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. I remember speaking about this church when, when, when Amy and I, literally, when we felt called, we were in a good relationship with our church, Quentin Road Baptist Church, and worked there, had our kids in the Christian school, felt God calling us to, to, to start a church or something. And first thing we did is we talked to our pastor, and our pastor said, well, I want you to I want you to, to, to go candidate some other churches just to, just to see. And we had checked out a really nice church in Florida that had no bills and, and, and had a nice campus and a school and, and it wasn't too far from the beach and, and they have nice weather there all year. And, and we checked a real nice church in Minnesota that uh, was a brand new building that had a full staff and, and the church actually was on a lake. They actually had their own lake and they actually had a pier with a fishing boat well, that was pretty cool, <laughs> you know, and, and to the craziness of all that, we just knew that God called us to start a church, and we just knew it was supposed to be somewhere outside of Milwaukee. Now, guys, listen, if I had taken the logical Dan Rehoff approach to it, I would have said, well, do you want to live your life on a beach with nor nice weather all year, or do you want to have a fishing boat and catch, you know, northern and, and lake trout all day? You know, well, that, <laughs> it was a big toss-up, but, but God led us to, to the suburbs of Milwaukee to start a church that just didn't make sense to us. It didn't make sense, but we knew, we knew that God had led us to do this. And, and, and had I just compared the churches and, and, and just said, well, you know, one plus one equals two, I'm going to pick the best deal for me out there. We wouldn't be here right now. This building wouldn't be here right now. And you wouldn't be here right now. You wouldn't. I'd be fishing in a lake in northern Minnesota right now because they're not having church. <laughs> But God doesn't always lead us, you know, to the easy. Sometimes God leads us to the challenging, okay? 
Sometimes God leads us to do things that just don't make sense, and they're not the easy thing. Look at verse 2 of our story again. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses, and, and, and give us water that we may drink. And Moses says unto them, Why chide you with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? So write this down in your notes. Sometimes when God changes our plans, sometimes people blame other people for their problems. People blame others for their problems. <laughs> they're, 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 they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And what are they going to do? They're going to blame Moses for the problem. And then we're going to blame God for the problem because we're following Moses, and Moses says he's following God, and there's no water. Don't we like a scapegoat? Isn't that our normal human interaction that we just want to blame someone? When things just don't go the way that we plan them, we sure like to blame everybody, don't we? That's just our, we, we blame our spouse, we blame our kids, we blame our parent. When we're done blaming them, then we've got to blame the pastor, we've got to blame the church. I, I laugh at the things that I've been blamed for. Uh, I've been blamed for people getting divorced, I've been blamed for, you know, people, <laughs> you know, kids not turning out, I've been blamed for people becoming addicts, and it's like, are you kidding? I have nothing to do with this, you know, why am I being blamed for it? Because we like to blame someone, and when we're done blaming people, we find new people to blame. Well, this is exactly what they're doing. They're, they're, hey, God changed the plans here, and instead of just dealing with it, instead of just accepting it, we're just going to blame someone else for it. Moses, it's your fault. Moses is saying, don't look at me. You need to talk to that guy up there. It's his problem, not my problem. Go down to our next verse, verse 3. And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle for thirst? Write this down in your notes. Sometimes when God changes their plans, sometimes people who complain exaggerate the situation. You say, oh, pastor, we never exaggerate. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? We all exaggerate the situation. When, when, when plans change, when God changed our plans, sometimes we exaggerate. We do. How about this one? It's so cold in that church, you could hang meat from the rafters. Now, could you really hang meat from the rafters in this church? No. Have you ever been in a meat freezer? No. We're probably got about two or three degrees to go before you could hang meat, but you couldn't technically hang meat from the rafters. You couldn't even reach the rafters in this room. But see how easy it is for us to, to exaggerate? Interesting to note there, if we look down the next verse, Moses exaggerates too. What does Moses say? The people are ready to kill me. Time out, time out. Does it say anywhere in the Bible that the people are ready to kill Moses? That, were they there with their knives and their, and their swords? Were they, were, they, were they ready to cut his neck? No, they weren't. Moses telling God, well, they're going to kill me. Really? Really? <laughs> Seriously? It's easy, though, to want to blame other people. It's easy to exaggerate that situation. Can I give you a, can I give you a little side note? We've got a f- couple minutes here. If you get a criticism, and, and Moses here is getting criticism, okay? He's getting criticism. And Moses is now criticizing God. But if you get, can I give you a little personal insight? If you ever get a criticism, can I, can I give you a hint on how to respond to criticism? This has nothing to do with my message. I just feel like I need to tell you, okay? If you ever get a criticism, here's what you need to do. Don't respond to criticism right away, okay? Just put the criticism off to the side. Give yourself a chance to, to a couple days to catch your breath or a day, whatever you need. But here's how else you don't respond to criticism. Don't respond to criticism with text or email, okay? 
okay? Because there's something about us getting behind a computer screen. Man, am I bold. I'm going to put that on Facebook, and I'm going to win this argument, and I'm, oh, I'm going to get that zinger that stops everybody. No, you're not going to get the zinger that stops everybody, okay? For the rest of eternity, the entire world's going to look at you and say, man, you're an idiot, you know? <laughs> Just don't do that. Don't, don't respond with text or email. Use your mouth and talk it out with someone, and then usually you find yourself a little more humbled. But it's really easy. It's really easy to exaggerate the situation. In verse 5, and the Lord said unto Moses, go on before the people. Go on before the people. So write this in your notes. When God changes our plans, always, always the Lord is directing us if we are open to his solutions. (laughs) God gets glorification in the circumstance when we don't see how it can be. Look at verse 6. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So write this down in your notes. When God changes our plans, God is always faithful, and he is always present. God says, listen, I will literally be right there with you. Church, listen. It's not rare for God to put us up against a wall sometimes so that he can get glory in saving us, okay? It it wasn't a mistake that God led them to a place where there was no water. It wasn't like God was looking at his map going, oh, I forgot, there's no water there. Moses, you're supposed to take a left, you know, 20 miles ago. Oh, now what do I do? I'm going to have to, no. God led him there knowing, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to do this great, if you studied out, this great type of Christ type of thing, and, and I'm just going to make a great example of this, and I'm going to bring water, enough water to feed a million people. So church, that wasn't a little drinking fountain. That wasn't a bubbler. That must have been a river gushing out of this mountain to take care of a million people and their animals, right? And this is a lot of water. That's just kind of the way it is. Sometimes God lets us get to those places where, where he'll lead us to a place where there's no water, just so what? So God can get the glory out of it. Church, sometimes God just plain changes our plans just flat out, and they just don't make sense. And God says, you know what? I'm going to change your plans, but the cool thing about it is at the end of the story, if you, if you stay with me, if you have an attitude of submission, if you have an attitude where your hands are like this, God, would you show me? Then, then we can look back at it, and God says, you know what? That's something that God did. God got the glory out of this. And I know, church, we read that and say, yeah, but pastor, that's easy to read that. But boy, is it frustrating. It's frustrating. And as as important as we feel that our plans may be, you know, God, I've had my plans. I had this written out. God, this is the way it's supposed to be. God may want you to focus on something different. Maybe it's time in your life you focus on something different. Maybe it's time in your life that you focus on something better. Do you ever think about that? Maybe you've been heading down this path and thinking, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. This is good what I'm doing. You're right. There's nothing wrong with your doing. It's good with your doing. But I've got something better. I've got something different for you. I made the illustration last week when, when I was in Bible college, I was a, a graphic artist and, and getting my, uh, my training and, and, and internship in, in, in graphic design and, and heading down that path. There was nothing wrong with what I was doing. There was nothing sinful about it. It was good. I was full-time in the ministry. I was, I was producing gospel literature. It was going all over the world. I was translating it into different languages. Uh, stuff that I printed, books that I printed, literally, literally have been all over the world. There was nothing wrong with that. It's just that God changed the plans. God changed the desires. And it was time for you to do something different. Nothing wrong with what you were doing, but I have something bigger. I have something better for you. You just need to be available and have an attitude of submission and go with it and be flexible and do it. Now, church, let me say this. If if you ever feel God changing your plans or you ever feel something, can I just give you some real practical advice on this? Let me just tell you this. 
you need to seek counsel, okay? You need to just seek counsel. And I want to be really clear on this, really clear on this. When plans change, seek counsel. Don't, listen, don't tell people what you're doing. Ask, ask people about what God's working in your heart, what the plan is that God may be changing in your life. When, when Amy and I felt that God was calling us to, to, to be a pastorate in a church, we didn't know all the details. The first thing we did, the first thing we did is we talked to our pastor. I didn't talk to my coworkers. I didn't talk to my neighbor down the street. I didn't talk to, you know, whatever, someone on Facebook. I talked to my pastor. Pastor, this is what we're thinking. What do you think? As, as you, as my spiritual advisor, what do you think? Pastor, can you give me some counsel on this? Had my pastor told me, listen church, had my pastor told me, no, you're nuts. You had too many onions on your hamburger. You know, you ate too many onion rings, whatever it was. You need to go back to your, you know, your, your office and you need to keep being graphic artists. We need you. Then you know what? I'd still be there today and I I'd, I'd just left it. Said, well, God, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking advice. And the Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So don't just talk to one person. Talk to other spiritual people. I need to emphasize the word spiritual people. Don't talk to your friend who's living in immorality, okay? Don't Facebook your friend who's a drunk. Don't, don't, don't text your buddy who's, you know, a drug user. Don't, don't talk to your family members who don't go to church. That's not where you get counsel from. You get counsel from people in your local church that you could look at as spiritual mentors or spiritual advisors. Talk to the people that, that you do Bible study with. Talk to your pastor. Talk to the elders in the church. Get input from other people. The most successful people I know are people that ask questions. Church, are you afraid to ask questions? Don't be like that. You need to ask questions. You need to talk to people and say, what do you think? How should I do this? What do you think about this idea? Where should I go? Who should I marry? Who should I date? Where should I move to? What kind of job should I take? Get input from people. Don't, don't say, well, I thought, of you know, Talk with your mouth. Talk to people. That's what you have to do. Second thing besides seeking counsel, church, when you feel that God's changed your plans, I want you to pray about it, okay? Spend time praying about it. Now, listen. <laughs> in all fairness, in all fairness, if I ask you, so you feel like you're supposed to do this instead of this, you're going to go left instead of right, and you answer to me, say, Pastor, I prayed about it. Do you know what the next question out of my mouth is going to be? How much did you pray about it? And you know what your answer shouldn't be? A lot. <laughs> That's not the right answer, okay? You need to be able to say, Pastor, I really prayed about it. Well, how much? I've been praying about this for six months. Well, how much? Every day on my knees praying. Really? Yeah. I'm, talk I'm not talking, now listen, church, listen, we're using common sense here. I'm not talking about you being in the grocery store and wondering, you know, should you buy 2% milk or 1% milk? Gee, I need to pray about it for six months. That's called common sense. I'm talking about when you're making some kind of a decision in your life that's going to affect you, that's going to affect your family. You need to really seriously pray. Pastor, I was on my knees praying about it, right? How about this? Well, pastor, I read my Bible. I, well, pastor, I, I'm reading the Bible. Well, great. How much? I'm going to ask you how much. Well, I, I, I read, I, 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 I read a bunch. I mean, a bunch. I mean, there's lots. Well, how much? Well, I, I, I read it last Sunday in church. That's not a good answer. <laughs> you, you need to be in this book, okay? You need to be in this book, and you need to be praying. You need to be studying God's Word. You need to be seeking counsel. I had, I'll give you a story real quick. I had a lady one time, years ago, in a land far, far away, on a different planet, 
none of you know her, all right? <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. And she says to me, now, now see, they were just regular working people, her and her family. They weren't rich, they weren't millionaires or anything like that. And, and, uh, and, and she got in her mind that she needed a new car. Now, I'm not against new cars. I'm, I, this is not against new cars. I, I want to get a new car someday. Uh, my one car is 21 years old, and the other car I have is 23 years old. So in two more years, that will, that will, that will be okay. I can actually get antique license plates, and I can drive that other car in a parade. Uh, literally, because it will be considered an antique, and I'll get a discount on my plates. But so someday there's a new car coming for the Rehoffs, right? Yay, big deal. Okay, so I'll pick on cars because that way you know I'm picking on myself. But this lady says to me, now they didn't have much money. They were, you know, just regular, regular people. And she said, you know, Pastor, I was at the car dealership. That's what she said. And I was walking down the row of cars, and I was just praying, which one? <laughs> Weirdest thing. It just, just, I stopped by the, by the red two-door. <laughs> just, the turbo red two-door with the sport version. And yeah, the, the most expensive red two-door sport turbo convertible that was in the entire lot and I just knew that this is the one that God wanted me to have <laughs> wow imagine that you know <laughs> it's like really well praise God okay yeah so I said did you see counsel oh yeah oh I did really well, well pulls out the business card his name was Bob and he said he's a Christian really where's Bob work well he works at the car dealership <laughs> you know and I sought counsel with him you know <laughs> Really, did you pray about it? Pastor, I was, walking, I was walking through the car lot and I prayed about it and I just knew this was the car I was supposed to get. Now you laugh and you say, really? Yeah, really. Well, was there anything wrong with the new car? No. Is there anything wrong with the convertible? No. Is there anything wrong with the car being red? No. Is there anything wrong with the car having a turbo? No, you're missing the point. The point was she got the car and the car payments, of course, she forgot to talk to anybody about finances and the reality of that and with her SR22 insurance, she was about $650 a month in car payments on this car and she had a husband and they had kids and they had a mortgage guess who couldn't afford their car after three or four months yeah the lady who was praying in the parking lot for the car guess whose car got repossessed yeah okay you get the story right that's that's not seeking counsel right that's not praying about it that's using your emotions to make an answer and to justify and to, and to blame God for it well I just don't know why God didn't you know whatever make the car payments knucklehead, you know, God would have made the car payments, but you can't afford $650 a month. That was the problem, you know. Church, listen, when, when, when there's something like that, you seek counsel. You pray about it. You really seek counsel. You really pray. You really read God's Word about it and say, God, you know what? This isn't so much about, about me asking why plans have changed, but God, it's really me asking how I'm going to respond to life situations when plans change. Church, because I want you to get ready because plans are going to change, Okay. Do not get so set in your ways that you think plans will never change. Plans will change, okay? And God, it's not so much why, but it's God, how? How do you want me to respond in this moment? How do you want me to be flexible? God, how can I use this, this change of plans to further the gospel, to further the gospel for the kingdom? So church, be, be, be prepared to be frustrated because sometimes God does pull that blanket out and, and plan accordingly. God's going to change plans. Sometimes it's just not going to make sense. And we're going to be tempted to ask why. That's the time we need to spend time praying. That's the time we need to spend time in our Bible. That's the time we need to spend time in counsel. Pastor, what are plans changed? Well, you could get a doctor's appointment tomorrow and your plans could change radically because of the results of a test. We could lose our jobs with the way the economy is and you could be selling your house soon. 
You could be having to do something. I don't know. I mean, any, someone could call you to move to a different state or a different area, and you say, well, gee, what should I do with that? There, there's all kinds of things that plans change. Someone in your family may die or, or get cancer. Who knows? In the church, we need to be in, our, in the Word. We need to be spending time praying. We need to be rubbing shoulders with other Christians so that we can bounce off these, these change of plans with other Christians and say, God, how do you want me to sp- respond? God, what is it that I should be doing in this moment? And you be ready for those, those plans to change because church, just like we've seen all through the, the scriptures, plans are going to change and we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit say, God, would you lead me in this change of plans? Aren't you thankful? And that study that we did in the book of Acts the last couple, couple months, Paul, his plans changed and because of that, entire Europe was introduced to the gospel. Peter, his plans changed. Because of that, the Gentiles were introduced to the gospel. They were both sensitive to God's leading and God... I don't know why you're changing my plans. I don't know why you pulled the rug out on my plans, but I'm going to do it. And because of that right attitude, because of being flexible, God used them to change the world, okay? So I want you to think about that. I want you to pray about that as we're going through this series. I want you to be ready for that and and just be ready because plans always do change and they may change in my life. They may change in your life, but be ready to be flexible. Don't be frustrated. It doesn't make any sense, but God, how can you use me in this changing, crazy moment, okay? And think about that. Think about that, especially in our society right now. I don't, I don't think things are going to get better, to be honest with you. I think that things are going to get worse. I'm not talking about COVID-19. I'm talking about the United States of America. I, just, I think we're on a downhill slide, and it's going to go pretty quick. I'm just telling you. So I'm not being a fear person. I'm just saying be ready to be flexible, okay? God, how can we use the situation that we're in to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel, as you know, of course, is the good news that by, for by grace you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm thankful that, that the gospel is a free gift. It says it right there in the middle. It's a gift of God. Have you shared your faith this week with someone? Have you told someone about the goodness that, that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried three days later, rose again, and that, that Jesus Christ paid our sin debt so we don't have to? You should. You need to. This week, you need to. If you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior and you're here in this room today, I encourage you this morning, don't trust in your baptism, don't trust in your church membership, but fully trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for your sins, okay? That is, that is the plan of salvation. It's a free gift. For by grace we're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, okay? I encourage you on that today. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll be done this morning. We're, we're out of time. Let's close. Father, we're thankful for the time we've had together this morning and our time in the Word. Uh, Lord, plans do change. It's easy for us to get frustrated. Father, help us not to get frustrated with you, but help us to pray to you, Lord. Would you teach us how to respond in this moment of change, the times when things are changing so much. Help us to, to be flexible. Help us to be faithful. Help us to seek counsel. Help us to pray about it. Help us to spend more time in the Word reading about it. Father, maybe there's someone here today who's never trusted in you as your Savior. Lord, in the quietness of their mind, speaking to the living God so they know they can't make a mistake, maybe, Lord, in the quietness of their mind, they'd be, be saying, Father, I've done sins. I've done wrong things. But Lord, I, I, today I'm trusting in what your Son, Jesus Christ, did on the cross of Calvary. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trusting in my baptism. I'm not trusting in church membership. I'm not trusting in me being a good person to get me to heaven. Today I'm fully trusting in what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, and I accept that. I accept that as a payment for my sins. What a wonderful weekend to have done that, to trust in Christ as your Savior on Memorial Day weekend. Lord, we pray for safety this afternoon and tomorrow as 
as we're able to enjoy some free time. Bring us back safely next week. And then we pray. Amen. We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.